0: Well, on behalf of the Board of Trustees, the faculty and staff of Sterling College, it is my pleasure to welcome each one of you to our 37th annual keynote convocation. This convocation service displays a few of the SC traditions as the new academic year begins. The ringing of the bell has been a tradition heard at the opening and closing of each academic year. Faculty and staff will participate in the Welcome Walk welcoming new students to the Sterling College community, mirroring a a similar experience as our graduates end their time here with us and we congratulate them and bid them farewell after the commencement ceremony in May. The college crest is also displayed to promote the history and mission of Sterling College, all centered on the college's commitment to serve the Lord and his kingdom. These are all traditions that unify the Sterling College community and welcome in the new academic year. Uh, To the new students, uh, welcome to Sterling College. I hope and I trust that you will choose to become discernibly different as you grow and as you study and as you develop relationships here. To our returning students, welcome back. It's been a long summer without you. We are all called to serve, to serve one another in our daily lives and to show each other how the body of Christ is supposed to work. And I pray that you will continue to seek the Lord in new opportunities, new friendships, allowing him to mold and direct your lives here at Sterling and even after you graduate. We are so glad that all of you are a part of the Sterling College family and are part of our warrior nation. Let us begin with our keynote convocation. Let us begin our keynote convocation with the invocation from our Assistant Professor of Biblical Studies, Dr. Glenn Butner. And I would ask that we please rise. Gentlemen, remove your hats for prayer. Doctor.
1: Please join me in prayer. Father, we thank you for gathering us all here this morning in the name of your Son who you have provided as our way, truth, and life. May we be a people dedicated to your truth across this campus, uncovering new truths in our classrooms and in our disciplines. But may we ultimately uncover the truth revealed through your Son and preserved in the Gospels. Father, may that truth never be a truth divorced from the life. May what we learn here add to life by seeking justice in this world. May it add to eternal life by helping us to see you through the beauty of various thoughts And Father, may we also be a people dedicated to life, life in arts, life through athletics, life in theater, and among our friendships, Lord. But ultimately, may the life found in those places lead us to a deeper spiritual life, a life not divorced from your son, the way. And Father, thank you for providing him as the way. Ultimately, I pray that more people among us this year may find Christ as the way to you. Thank you for providing him. It is in His name that I pray by the power of the Spirit, amen.
2: Good morning, good morning. As the academic dean of the college, it's one of the pleasures I have is to welcome you to the first convocation this year for the 1920 academic year. Our keynote speaker is no stranger to the college. As she is one of our own and she joined Sterling in the fall of 2007. Erin grew up in Illinois and came to Sterling College to help build and grow the athletic training program. She is passionate about educating and challenging her students, and she has a special interest in curriculum development and student learning styles. Erin's list of academic credentials are nothing short of impressive. She has a B.S. in Biology from St. Joseph's College, a Master of Science in Health and Human Performance from the University of Tennessee at Chattanooga, And she also holds a PhD in education from North Central University. It doesn't stop there. Uh, As many of you know, Erin was promoted to full professor in 2018. She received the McCreary Teaching Award during the 2013-14 year and was also a 2014 Kansas Independent Colleges Association Faculty of Distinction. That's quite impressive. So then, when she handed me the title of her speech today, I thought, which is titled, Chasing Caterpillars, it kind of got me by surprise, but I'm intrigued. So will you help me in welcoming Dr. Erin Laudermilk, our 2019 keynote speaker.
3: Good morning, and uh, thank you, Dr. Brown so when i was told that i'd be giving this talk this morning there were a thousand ideas running through my head and uh, they included i don't want to do it (laughs) i hate public speaking why me and what can i stand up here and say to you that's going to make a difference so not only do i not enjoy public speaking um let's just say that sometimes speaking isn't one of my strong suits Okay, ask around to some athletic training and health science majors, and you'll find out what I'm talking about. Sometimes I get tongue tied, sometimes I lose words right before I need them, sometimes I even make up words as I'm going along because my brain works faster than my mouth can. Uh, But lucky for you all, I have this all written out in front of me, but no promises, we'll see how this goes. So, um, like I said, uh, I was told that I would be giving this talk, and I've known for over a year now um, that I was going to be doing it. So, as a confessed overthinker and an Enneagram Type 1, uh, I can honestly say this has been on my mind and heart a lot in the last year. I've prayed for direction and clarity in how this opportunity to address you will be used, and I hope and pray that this morning I'm able to clearly communicate what's been laid on my heart. So, I think anytime you have the opportunity to listen from, to someone else, uh, to learn about life from them, it's helpful to know more than what they are. So, Dr. Brown gave me a wonderful introduction, right? That details the list of things that I've done during my career. Um, but it doesn't really describe who I am at my core. You need to understand where a person's coming from, how their life experience has shaped their perspective and developed their mindset. I really believe it's crucial to discerning how you can take someone's message and apply it to your own life. So you might not relate to some of the experiences that I talk about this morning. And that's okay. But I'm going to tell you that regardless of the specific situations that we face in life, the joy, the pain, the confusion, the celebration, the love, the disappointment that we all face through different experiences is the same but we just learn it in different ways. So yes, I am Dr. Erin Laudermilk, uh, as Dr. Brown said, and I've accomplished that list. I'm an associate dean, I'm a full professor, I'm a certified athletic trainer, but I'm also Mrs. Laudermilk, wife of Wes, and I'm a mom. We have a six-year-old daughter, Avery, and a four-year-old son, Owen. I'm a dog mom. I have an eight month old golden doodle named Lucky, who some of you met last year at Petapup, and a 14 year old mutt named Cooper, who I adopted in grad school. I'm a daughter, a daughter in law, a niece, aunt, cousin, every word that you can use to describe a female member of a family, it's me. I'm a gardener. I love dirt track car racing. You can laugh. I was bred to be and remain a fan of the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. Out of way. I'm a converted converted Chiefs, Royals, Wildcat, and even Jayhawk fan. But only because I've learned it's better to support my husband's teams than it is to cheer against them. So, Um, All of these things make up part of what I do, the roles I serve in, uh, what I enjoy, but the the most important part that I haven't mentioned that truly defines who I am is that I'm a child of God, and now you might think to yourself right now, yeah, lady, this is the same Sunday school lesson I've been learning since I was five, and that's okay, but my question to you is, you might know this, but are you living it? So what I am now, and what I do now, isn't what I've always been. And that's the great thing about this life that God has given us. We struggle, and we grow, and we change, and then we grow and struggle and change again and again and again, and there's one forever constant through all of that, though. Through it all, we remain a child of God. So I've told you I've had a year to really think about what I was going to talk about this morning. And one thing I've learned is that you're supposed to find a way to relate to your audience, okay? I know I'm getting a little bit old-er. I I prefer to say er versus just old. Um, And I try to stay up on what's in, but I know I'm falling behind. But I was reminded last spring uh, by some students in my therapeutic exercise class that you and I do have something very much in common. For some reason, don't ask. We were having a conversation about fashion trends. And they, it was not me, they pointed out that they were very disappointed in their generation and the fact that they couldn't come up with any original fashion trends. Instead, y'all are borrowing from my generation. Let's look at it. Canvas shoes, overalls, tight-rolled jeans, high-waisted pants, and even cropped suit pants for men. Okay. We visited my family in Illinois this summer and I got out my old Barbies for my daughter to play with. And let me tell you, Ken wore those pants in the 80s, people. okay? You did not create it. Fanny packs are back. I thought they would die forever. But I have learned that it's now called a waist bag or a belt bag. So I guess you know, you're at least recreating the names for these things. Uh, but the one thing, the one thing that shocked me, is the resurgence of the scrunchie. Okay? You know that I'm right, but what I regret is that I didn't foresee this and keep my scrunchies to sell them as retro scrunchies. So, but anyway, I'm not here to talk about the fashion trends of my preteen and teen fashion years, and there most definitely will not be pictures. No pictures, okay? But here I am over the last year, really praying about what do I need to talk about, what do you all need from me, and how does God plan to use my words this morning? And there are three things, three themes, three words that have really been heavy on my heart and loud in my world, and those are love, vocation, and butterflies. And you can giggle, trust me, I've been saying what for the last year trying to figure this one out. But on this first point of love, we look around our world today, we read the news headlines, we know the hate and sin and brokenness that is all over our world. And I often think about how this world would be so different if only everyone knew just how much they're loved. And in turn, they could look at other human beings with love as brothers and sisters in Christ. And now I know there's so much more to this discussion than what I'm bringing up, so don't feel like I'm just moving past that. But I was reflecting on this concept of love on our way to church one Sunday morning and debating with myself about using some of these thoughts in this speech. And what would you know, one of the readings shared that morning was 1 Corinthians. So it's up here on the slide for you. Um, I'm not gonna read it, but I really encourage you to spend some time with it over the next couple days. Now, in my observation, typically when we look at this passage, we start with chapter four and we hear it at weddings. It's the point. We're uniting two people into one. But on that day, our pastor gave a message that extended beyond marriage, beyond personal relationships, and into who we are as uh, flawed and sinful people living in a flawed and sinful world. He noted that this message also outlines the self without love. It's all for want. It's all for nothing if our deeds are done and our words are said without love. If we're doing things or saying things because it's what we're supposed to do or because it looks good, it means nothing. God knows our heart. And this comes back to my statement about who we are and are we living like a child of God. When I look at the first three verses here, I'm reminded that each of us have unique gifts and talents. You might have straight A's. You might earn the lead in the play, rush for a thousand yards in a season or average 25 points a game. But if we do those things for self, if we aren't doing those things with love, reflecting it, sharing it, showing it, are we living as a child of God is called? Knowing just how much we're loved should lead us to living out of love, and knowing we're loved should change the way we live. But that's going to look a little bit different for each of us. Consider this, and I'm asking myself these questions too. When you walk away from an interaction with someone else, what do they remember of you? What do they take away from that interaction? How does it make them feel? And are they reflecting, are you reflecting God's love? We're all called to different areas of service in this life. And that leads me to the second theme that's been heavy on my heart, and that's vocation. A question you've been asked from the time you were small is what do you wanna be when you grow up? Now. It's really cute when you ask that question to a group of kids, okay? Just last spring at my daughter's kindergarten program, they were asked that question. And their responses ranged from a doctor, a teacher, a baseball player, a police officer, and my daughter's response, a soccer player, right? now. This was a much more practical response than what she replied with in preschool. And some of you might say, that sounds like a pretty short-lived career, but the year before she wanted to be a ninja, so we'll take it, okay? It's progress. Uh, From the time some of you were in junior high, 13 years old, you've been picking classes and pathways that are supposed to lead you right into a job. Then at 16 and 17 years old, you start looking for colleges and you're being asked, what do you wanna major in? I've met with many of you over the years and told you my perspective on this. We're asking you at 18 years old what you want to do for the rest of your working life. That's intense. I'm gonna steal a line from my friend and colleague, Terry Ayersman. Let's work on finding out who you are, your God-given and unique gifts and talents and skills, and then we'll work on finding out what you're going to do. Some of you know your gifts. You've already found the vocation that's gonna allow you to utilize them. Others of you have no idea, only because the opportunities to discover them are still coming. Still others of you have picked a major, you've studied within it for a few years, and you're still questioning if that's what you're supposed to be doing. And I'm gonna tell you, it's okay. It's okay. From personal experience, when I was young, I wanted to be a teacher. And then I spent time with large groups of small children and quickly figured out that that was not for me. It is for some of you, but it was not for me. Then I wanted to be an accountant. My dad, who's now retired, was a CPA, and I like math, seemed like a natural fit until I started working in his office when I was in high school and found that I really had zero interest in accounting. Again, it's for some of you, just wasn't for me. I started college pursuing physical therapy and after doing some observations in a lot of different clinics, I knew that wasn't where I was supposed to be using my gifts. And then I found the field of athletic training. It was everything I was looking for wrapped up into just one profession. Listen to this. Athletic trainers are healthcare providers, so it satisfied my interest in medicine and it celebrated my strengths in the sciences. Athletic trainers work with athletes, but not just athletes, anyone who's activated, activated, see there are those words, anyone who's active and motivated to get better. And athletic trainers have administrative duties and that one was pretty awesome because I excelled in organizational skills and I also really love school supplies. Okay, I had found my calling. So for a while I wanted to pursue a position in professional sports or Olympic sports, working with the highest caliber of athletes you could find. But it just didn't feel right until I discovered the perfect place for me. I was going to be an athletic trainer with NASCAR. Right, you can giggle a little bit, I get it. But think about it. These race car drivers are endurance athletes. They have to maintain a specific weight because the whole car has to be under a certain weight limit to be able to compete. They have to maintain intense focus for over an extended period of time for hours where the smallest mistake, the tiniest mishap can ruin the day for themselves, their crew, other crews that they're competing with and literally cost their team thousands of dollars. Plus, this was the perk for me, you would get to travel to a new city every weekend, and that sounded like a really good idea. But as you can see, I'm not an athletic trainer with NASCAR, so what happened? Was I not good enough? Did I not work hard enough? No. It wasn't in God's plan for my life. He brought me to Kansas via my good friend Pete Minealy, who offered me a job right out of graduate school. My plan was that this would be a temporary stop on my journey, three years max. As you heard Dr. Brown say, this is year 13. My, oh, I already said that. I never dreamed of being a college professor. Never. I definitely never dreamed of being a college administrator. What did become clear was that God had called me here. I met my husband here. We grow in our family here. And God has called me to grow and use my own gifts and talents during my time here. I've been called to serve here. It's my vocation. Yes, it's my job. Yes, it's my career. But more than anything, it's my vocation. And I get to come to work every day and work with others who found the same calling. When you ask employees of this college what their favorite part of their job is, it's the students, it's you all, and the relationships that they get to form with you, and in service of your development during college, and in your walks with Christ. They do it for you. And now for this last theme, butterflies. This is the one that has really had me asking, God, what is it with these butterflies and what does it mean? For some reason, either there have been way more butterflies in my world lately, or they've just stood out to me more than ever. Those of you who were here last spring, you remember the torrential downfall, rainfall that we had? Yeah, and what do April showers bring? May flowers, thank you. And what do May flowers bring? Butterflies. Butterflies, okay? Remember, I love gardening, so I spend quite a bit of time outside. And when you think of all the flying insects that we encounter regularly in Kansas, and if you were to classify them by their level of danger and their level of annoyance, butterflies would be at the bottom, right? They work hard, they're beautiful, and most importantly, especially as we compare them to the mosquito, they leave me alone, right? So one day early this summer, I'm working in the backyard pulling weeds, the dogs are running up and down the fence with the neighbor's dog, husband's mowing the front yard, and my kids were working on one of their chores, cleaning up the dog waste in the backyard, okay? Some kids would look at this as a punishment, not mine, okay? They're still young enough to be so excited about using a pooper scooper that they really enjoy doing this, okay? So, on this day, I noticed this one butterfly just hanging around. Despite all the crazy going on in this small space, we haven't chased it off. And in fact, it seemed like it was following me. You know, sometimes you get a complex, but it seemed like it was following me. It even landed on me a couple times. I wasn't wearing bright clothes. I most definitely did not smell like a flower. But I couldn't help but notice this butterfly. So over the next few weeks, butterflies seemed to be ever-present in my world. I reflected on butterflies. I even typed the word into a Google search. It yielded ideas of the resurrection, good luck, endurance, change, new life. And when my family visited um, uh, Illinois this summer to see my family, we sat down and had lunch with one of my aunts. She gave me a pin that was my grandma's, And I didn't think anything of it, but afterwards she texted me some care instructions and she said, don't submerge this pen, you can just wipe it clean, but the scene is made from butterfly wings. Hmm, okay. So then a couple weeks ago, I'm sitting in my office, staring at a blank computer screen trying to write this and thinking to myself, you cannot stand on that stage and talk about butterflies. And I looked over out the window, and what do I see? A monarch just hovering above the bush outside my window. Okay, God, the butterfly is important, but why? I went home early that day, because my son had an in-home visit with our parents' teacher's leader. And after playing a learning game with Owen, she asked if he wanted to read a book. And I shouldn't have been surprised by now, right? The same day, I am really questioning this butterfly thing. She pulls out The Very Hungry Caterpillar. As we read through the book, each day of The Caterpillar's Binge brought about change and something new during the passage of time. And sometime later, The Caterpillar completely transforms, right? He becomes a beautiful butterfly. We've read this book at least 100 times, but there in that moment was where this finally clicked. Sometimes I'm slow. But what do these three things have in common? Love, vocation, and butterflies? They transform. They're transformational. And then you ask, what does this have to do with me? College and your time spent in it is transformational. Seniors, you aren't the same as you were when you were freshmen. And freshmen, you won't be the same when you're a senior. And five years after that, yeah, you'll have continued to grow during that period as well. Your faith, your mind, your body, all will be transformed in various ways during your life. Your plan for your life will be transformed along the way. Sometimes because of decisions you make, sometimes because of others, but always because it's in his plan. Ask anyone on this stage behind me if where they are right now and what they're doing right now is exactly what they had planned for themselves at 18 years old, and I'm guessing it'd be hard to find one. My point is, spend the time now discovering who you are and who you want to be living as a child of God. If you need more evidence for why this is what I was supposed to stand up here and say to you today, if you were in chapel on Wednesday and had the privilege of hearing Paul's message, you already know. The theme for chapel this year is a new thing. And the verse for this year is printed on the front of your program and has to do with this new thing. People, God's been putting this on my heart for the last year and I was not a part of the group that selected that theme or selected that verse. I think it's obvious that he is present here on this campus and working through his, through his children, working with you all. For some of you, your time left at Sterling is short, maybe a year, maybe just a semester. Some of you are starting on your journey with us. Regardless, let this time be one of transformation. Ask yourself, what does this mean for me? Am I living with love? Do I reflect love? Do I receive love well? And am I open to transformation? And so I leave you with this as you enter this school year. Let us love you. Let us speak to you with love. Let us challenge you in love. Let us grow you in love. Let us guide you in love. And let this love give you butterflies of excitement, nervousness, and energy as you navigate your time at Sterling College and beyond. Thank you.
2: Please pray with me.
0: Heavenly Father, thank you for loving us so much that you sent your one and only Son to die on the cross for our sins. You're truly an amazing and gracious God. Lord, we have gathered here as a Sterling College family to dedicate this new school year to you. We ask that you continue to bless these students, staff, and faculty. We commit ourselves in this time to you, and may we bring glory to the name of your son, Jesus. Lord, give us peace as we open the school year. Take away those fears and insecurities some may have. Restore them with confidence and comfort. Lord, for those that don't know you, speak into their hearts with your truth. For the faculty and staff, prepare us to lead
3: and minister to those who have put, you have put in our path. Guide
0: us in the way we should go. And all Lord's people said, amen.